it's a really important thing to think about in your business. If you get hit by a bus, if your business is going to tank because of that, then you're definitely not replaceable. And you really don't have a business. You have the uh, privilege of owning your own job. So if you really want a business that extends beyond you and have a business that's driven by your ideas rather than your hands and your presence, then you need to be more replaceable. Now, we don't want to actually replace you. We don't want to have somebody else come in and run the business. But if you use that as a guiding light and you try to make yourself as replaceable as possible, you start to be able to focus on what you really do best and, and the business can drive forward in ways that, that it never could before. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. On the podcast today, we're interviewing Ari Mizell, best-selling author, coach, and overwhelmologist. Ari's mission is to help people simplify their lives so they can be more successful professionally and have more free time. His philosophy is that you have to make yourself more replaceable. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. We are here today with Ari Mizell, author of the best-selling book, uh, The Art of Less Doing, One Entrepreneur's Formula for a Beautiful Life. Welcome to the podcast, Ari. Thank you for having me. I discovered you listening to Jim Quick. Uh, I heard you on there and I was just like, oh, I have to try this. This is you know, what I need in my life. So first of all, let's just tell people uh, what your business is and tell people about what you do. You are a productivity coach, a overwhelmologist, as you say. Uh, yeah. So what I do is I, I teach entrepreneurs how to become more replaceable. So through our method, which is less doing was the less doing more living was the original productivity system I created several years ago to help individuals, and that sort of uh, evolved into a business growth methodology we call the replaceable founder. So I want to make people as replaceable as possible so that they can focus on what they do best, have ultimate flexibility, and the freedom to explore and have impact in other places. Okay, and in the book you talk about what caused you to get into this uh you once upon a time you were in the rat race working 80 hours a week yeah so i got out of 
school when I was 20 and I went uh, to visit a friend in upstate New York and started a real estate development project there. And then after uh, three years of working in construction, doing this big development, I found myself in uh, $3 million of personal debt <laughs> and I was diagnosed Whoa. with Crohn's disease and really uh, had to make a major shift in my life. Wow. You had Crohn's disease and then, uh, then you got into a new exercise routine, correct? Well, I, I mean, so it was, it was a lot of, there was self-tracking and experimentation that I had to sort of go through to, to figure things out. I mean, exercise was one part of it, but supplements and, and uh, nutrition and really getting stress under control was the biggest aspect in overcoming the illness. And did you, were you able to figure out this system yourself or did you go to somebody to, to help guide you in tracking you and coming up with different ways to save time? No, I had to do it myself. <laughs> and the, there, uh, there were a lot of elements of Western medicine that were really important in my recovery. And, and I did have to take a lot of medicine, but figuring out this side of things and the lifestyle changes really were just required an enormous amount of experimentation. That's incredible. So you have cured your Crohn's disease or, or it's just sort of manageable? Uh, it's considered to be an incurable illness, but I feel that I have uh, put it at bay, basically. So I've been pain-free, medicine-free for the last eight years. And if by some chance it were to resurface, which uh, certainly could, I think that I, I would have a systematic approach of, of dealing with it at a time. So I don't believe that I will ever be sort of a, a slave to my illness ever again. That's amazing. Okay. So I've, I've listened to your book a few times. Um, and some of the main, some of the main points I've gotten out of it are, uh, you know, the automating and the outsourcing and the also just giving yourself a, a smaller amount of time to do something. Uh, can you expand on that? So I, I've always found restrictions to be really interesting. I think that as entrepreneurs and even just as people who live in a society where you have access to listen to things like your podcast, right? We're in, we're in a pretty good position considering the state of a lot of people in the world. Uh, the problem with that, with that freedom is that the human brain doesn't really do that well when there's no parameters and there's no guidance, right? If we just say, if like somebody, you go to the supermarket and you have 400 options for every possible thing you're going to get, that's, it's really kind of stressful for most people. That's where a lot of overwhelm comes from. And so totally. I've always found that actual like restrictions and placing artificially restrictive limits sometimes on your time, your money, your space is what really forces innovation uh, when you have to do more with less and, and you're sort of forced to do that. But you, you talk about sometimes, you know, extreme things, you know, like make your day into two hours from eight hours. Well, I was presented with that very real restriction at one point in my life where I'd been working these 18 hour days and then I was, I was so sick and so weak that doing an hour of work a day was, was almost like a luxury. So to me, wow. the idea, you tell somebody who works a nine to five job, you know, what would happen if you had to leave the office by four o'clock 
it's not that challenging for most people. They'll say, oh, I'd skip lunch or, you know, I'd take one less call or one less meeting, something like that. But if you ask the same person, what would you do if you could only work one hour in the day? That requires a completely different kind of thinking, a, a kind of thinking that you've never used before. And, and that's what's so interesting to me. Uh, it's not that we want to work the one hour a day necessarily. And, and I, I don't. I, I love what I do. And I, I work more than one hour a day. But how many hours a day do you work? Um, realistically, so I work while my kids are at school. So I take my kids to school and I pick them up. So nine to two thirty generally is when is my work day. Interesting. So if you, but if you create a scenario where you could do all the things that you had to do in an hour, and again, it's not possible that you could yourself get everything done in one hour. So you have to then put systems in place and automations and be outsourcing and bring in other help. Uh, to make that happen. So one of the things that I love about that exercise is it very quickly makes you realize that you can't do everything, nor should you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really have to step back and be radical. Yeah. Can you explain uh, the 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 Pomodoro method um, of working in sprints versus uh, you know the the to do list that everybody that's the standard. So the uh, the Pomodoro method has has been around for a very long time, and basically it's this idea that the brain works better in sprints than in marathons, which which we kind of know inherently. If you uh, you know you give somebody a task to write a thousand words, if you if you break it up into hundred word sections, like it's just going to be easier for most people. Very few people can just sit down and just bang out like work after work after work and have a and have a maintain quality. So what the Pomodoro technique does is really systematically create these sprint periods of 25 minutes with a five minute break. Uh, and each one of those is a, is a Pomodoro, meaning like that's a period of work. So the secondary benefit is that not only are you uh, getting more stuff done, but you're uh, disassociating the specific work product with the, uh, with just getting work done. Like there's the motivation of just being able to get things done. Right. Right. Well, here's something that confused me in the book. So you, you talk about the sprints and this makes a lot of sense, but then you talk about flow and flow is, is where you, you can, you can work. And then if you get off task, it can take 20, how, how long to, to get back into flow? What, what do you mean by flow? First of all, so for, uh, the, the, for most people, what flow really means is um, the the most common sort of experience in a flow state is a dilation of time. So if you've ever been in a scenario where minutes felt like hours or hours felt like minutes, uh, that is a flow state for most people. So if you were you know working on something that you were really into and the time you know time flies when you're having fun, that's a flow state. Consequently, if you've ever been in something like a car accident, for example, time slows down so that we have this ability to sort of react to things. And you might remember every second of a, of a car accident if you had the misfortune of being in one. Uh, but the so we we want to be in a flow state when we're doing really high level work, clearly. And um, <clears throat> there are better times of the day for you to be in a flow state, depending on who you are. If you interrupt a flow state by a minute. So like, you know, you're, you're working on your next great novel and then you stop to sort of answer stupid emails. 
for a minute, it takes up to 23 minutes to get back into that flow state, which is really crazy uh, if you think about that in terms of opportunity cost. 23 minutes to get right back in. So the Pomodoro method where you're stopping every 25 minutes, that's a different type of task. That's when you're not in flow. That's when you're grinding your workout. Well, it could be either. So the interesting thing with the Pomodoro technique is that because it is a sort of systematic uh, approach to it and you're not when you interrupt in the Pomodoro you're not supposed to go do like other meaningful work in that five minutes that five minutes like you can get up and do jumping jacks you can you know listen to a song you can go to the bathroom like you shouldn't jump into other work during that five minutes so it's sort of like it cuts the line a little bit okay okay but when you're in the flow state do you sometimes say screw that sprinting I'm just like going forward yeah, of course, that definitely happens. Uh, but it depends on the kind of work also. You know, so flow state for me is is content creation generally. And content creation for me could be writing an article. It could be making six or seven videos. So there's sort of like natural breaks in there anyway. Our audience is, it's a, a pretty diverse group of people as far as their occupations. I mean, we're, we're we revolve around the machining industry, but we have... You know, people in offices that listen to this. We also have people on the shop floor, um, you know, people, machinists, people uh, maintaining machines, other sort of, um, yeah, non, not, uh, not necessarily like writing content or something. Have you used your, your coaching in those settings as well? Yeah. So uh, the the business coaching that we do with the Replaceable Founder is really aimed primarily at businesses that are doing $300,000 in sales and up. And we have several programs from 300000 to a million, a million and up, 10 million and up. Uh, bef- below that point, like if it's sort of a side hustle or you're not owning your own business, then all of the less doing stuff, which is really about personal productivity, is where people should be focused. Uh, on on getting their personal habits as, as effective as possible, them as an individual. So then they're able to put that into their side hustle or whatever kind of other work they want to do to grow their business to the point where it really can become you know a sustainable business. Right. But what if they're not in business? What if they're just, what if they're, they're on a machine yeah. all day? Right. So, so you still have your home life, right? And there's, there's this sort of misconception that we have this work-life balance. So it's really a work-life integration. You're the same person when you're at work or when you go home. So mm-hmm. if you go home to a stressful situation, because if you have no control over your work environment, you're just, you know, your employee, you're working on a machine all day, that's fine. But there's still things that need to happen. You still have family. There's, you know, you don't want to come home to then sit down to a pile of bills, right? For example, and you can control your home life. So if we can bring that productivity into our home life, then it makes everything less stressful. You know, there's more gas in the tank to sort of deal with everything in our day. Okay. Multitasking. Is multitasking BS? Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> there's no such, there's real, there's no actual thing as multitasking. It's really, neurologically, it's what's called context switching. It's just rapidly switching back and forth between tasks. And what we trick ourselves into thinking is multitasking. So all you're doing when you think you're multitasking is just doing everything poorly. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email 
at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. So, email. Checking email all the time when you're in the office or on a machine. Doing, you know, going going off and doing the web, social media, etc., is this an attempt at multitasking that can be pretty detrimental? Um, so the only way that we can actually do, like we can fake it to the best extent of multitasking is when you're combining a low, uh, low focus task with a high focus task. So brushing your teeth and listening to the news, that's fine. That is, yes, technically multitasking and that's really okay. Uh, to some, for some people, social media is a real distraction. For others, it's just sort of like a mindless thing that fills the space. So it do, does somewhat depend on the person. But generally speaking, even if you can focus on one task for just 15 minutes, you're going to see better results. So but do you think it is a big problem with people checking email constantly oh, during sorry. the day? No, no, I don't actually. Because if you have email, you don't. If you have email so I check my email probably 60 times a day. Um, if email is set up properly then email is not a distraction. It's an effective place to get things done and some place where you can sort of move things along because you can do what I refer to as parallel tasking. So it's not multitasking, but if you're putting things in motion, you're allowing other people to do their work, you're not holding them up, then you kind of have this parallel tasking thing where all these things can happen at the same time. And it's multitasking, but distributed among other people. So you're not managing all those different things. Okay, because my feeling is that you know, in our business, we, so I have two businesses. We're, we're journalists and we also buy and sell machine tools. We sell used machines that our readers would be using. And so for us, there's constantly emails coming in. Uh, and we're constantly like, you know, hoping the phone is going to ring, that emails are going to come in and it's, we may stop what we're doing. Uh, just to, you know, all of a sudden, oh, this this is more exciting or this is easier to do than the other thing we were doing. Um, so to me, that messes up my productivity. Do you do you see that as a form of multitasking that is detrimental or or not really? That sounds more like procrastination and uh, and allowing distractions. Like that's just a lack of focus. That's not the same thing. Okay. I I mean I have to say I was really I was I was very surprised when I uh I went to your site and I sent an email asking to do a podcast and I got a, an email back pretty quickly and I I was like there's no way this is Ari he must have some sort of automated thing or some 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 outsourcer doing this um so that was you, huh? At like six, seven in, in the evening, writing back to me. Well, I, I think I responded in the end to you with a picture, right? Yes, when I questioned your. Yeah. But I mean, a, a virtual assistant could have could have responded with a picture too. You know. That's true. I was on the subway and I just took the picture to send that. So it's funny because I'm in a unique position. I feel like where people, I always have to convince people it's actually me, whereas most companies it's the other way around. <laughs> So no, I yeah, customer service and uh, or well uh, outreach and the brand is really important to me, and that's the thing is I I can do those things and I I don't have to do those things. There's other people that can jump in and do that, but I like doing those things, and because everything else is so handled and and productively set up, 
I'm able to do those things that I just find fun and interesting. So for me, connecting with somebody who's interested in what we do is, is awesome. Yeah, well, I thought that was amazing. And I, I think, you know, for for the people who my most of these listeners don't know your website, but when you go to the website, you can sign up very easily to have a 15-minute conversation with you, correct? Yep, yep, pretty much. Um, we, yeah, I mean, yes, you can. Uh, there's there's somewhat limited availability on those, but uh, for our other for our longer calls, people have to go through an application process to make sure that they're a good fit for our programs. Now, you know, at the end of your emails, you have or or your one of your taglines is "Replace yourself." Oh, please elaborate on that. So we want people to, if you're not replaceable, then you are in essence a liability to your business. You know, everyone loves the whole proverbial, like you got, you know, get hit by a bus, uh, you know, old adage, right? So what happens if you get hit by a bus? It's a really important thing to think about in your business. If you get hit by a bus, if your business is going to tank because of that, then you're definitely not replaceable and you really don't have a business. You have the uh, privilege of owning your own job. So if you really want a business that extends beyond you and have a business that's driven by your ideas rather than your hands and your presence, then you need to be more replaceable. Now, we don't want to actually replace you. We don't want to have somebody else come in and run the business. But if you use that as a guiding light and you try to make yourself as replaceable as possible, you start to be able to focus on what you really do best. And, and the business can drive forward in ways that, that it never could before. Um, I have a team of three people plus me. That uh, I mean, we're doing things that I think other businesses are doing with 20 people. I see so many people, I mean, including me, and they, yeah, they feel like the business would collapse if they were gone. And, and maybe it would. Maybe that's just the way it's been designed. It's sad, really. Like, I see we have customers and they're like, they're the owners of the company and they have to be on the shop floor 12 hours a day doing it hands-on because I, I said why he's like well if i'm not there then it's not going to be done right and i'm just thinking man do you need to talk to somebody like ari <laughs> well and that you know a lot of that is unfortunately it's just ego bs right like it's just a story that we tell ourselves like that that's our value is being there well that's that, i mean that's just not the case yeah well i mean we we tend to think with our two businesses that basically if, if we weren't there, there would be nothing. I mean, who's going to do the podcast? Who's going to write the articles that people are expecting from us, right? Some of the things that we know about where these machines are in the world, we're the only people that know. Basically, the business itself isn't really anything if it isn't for our brains. So... What would you say to that when I say uh, we're replaceable? I mean, you're not replaceable in your job, are you? Uh, I, I So I am to a really great extent. I mean, if I, I, I've routinely gone on vacation for uh, actually last the entirety of last August, I was completely um, unavailable to the team and the business kept growing. Now, I make the business grow faster, but the business will keep growing and run without me. I see that. I see that. I mean, there's definite. So you've created redundancy in it. But in the end, without you, if you, okay, if, if you wanted to sell 
your business right now, would would it be worth anything if you weren't there? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not sure. It depends. I mean, we have a pretty robust coaching program. We have an enormous amount of content that's continuing to help people that I don't need to deliver. So, uh, but also, I mean, I have no interest in selling the business. So it's more, you know, could I bring in more people to run the business without me being around? And the answer to that is yes. So explain to me what the business does as far as you, you will go into to companies that are that have 300,000 in sales at least. And what will you guys do with the company? What's a typical service you'd provide? So we focus on communications, project management, and processes. That's how we do it with every business. And uh, the level of the business at doesn't necessarily make that big of a difference in terms of how that's delivered. But uh, communication is always the first place to start. If you have robust communications and clear communication paths, then that's that's really going to be key. So, but the first thing you do, you go into a business and would you do, uh, you would put in some, some things in place to, to monitor what was going on? Is that the first step? Well, yeah. I mean, so we want to have some sense of like, you know, what things are happening now, of course. But the, uh, the main thing is, that, I mean, we have really specific ways that we teach communications and separating internal from external and asynchronous from synchronous. And, and we would just take people through that process. And how long does it usually take to, to, to make a big change in a company? I mean, you can make a big change in 90 days. I mean, we see true transformations usually take up to a year. I'm using uh, Upwork. I hired a guy in Albania to do a lot of tasks I have. Off the top of your head, does that sound like, like the way to go? I've seen various other things that you've plugged yeah, I mean, Upwork is one, Upwork is definitely one resource, but it, there's no point in outsourcing until you've optimized and automated first. And there's so many things that we can automate now that we don't have to bring human beings into. So that's that's the primary goal. Yeah, automating is the the number one goal, and then outsourcing to somebody else that's that's the consolation if you're not able to automate something. Well, we're always able to automate something, you know. So, uh, but at the very least, we want to give it. We want to give something effective over to somebody that's going to be outsourcing or we're going to outsource to. Meetings. Are meetings, uh, you, you, you don't believe in them, do you? Well, I think that there's usually too many of them. But uh, as long as the meeting has a strong purpose and an agenda, we usually can avoid meetings through asynchronous communication. Um, what's, what's the biggest resistance you get from clients? Uh, no, we're, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to wrap in like two minutes. Just to make clear. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it. Okay. I got it. Um, sorry, say it again. Like the biggest resistance you get from a client. What is what is the main thing that they tell you? Basically, I, nobody can do this business but me. Yeah. I mean, the main thing that they think is that they're all so unique. You know, and that, you know, you don't, you know, my business is different. Well, it's not. I'm sorry. I've seen thousands of businesses and it's not different. Um, there is There are unique elements to every business, but... None of them necessarily play into how this works in terms of systems and processes. And this idea that like they've created something that nobody else could possibly understand is, and, and they think that's a positive, like that's a dangerous thing. Right. It makes them feel valuable. Yeah. And that's, that's all it does. It makes them feel valuable, but it's really dragging them down like an anchor. That's interesting. Well, listen, I, I, I really thank you for all your time and, uh, you're making a difference for me. I, I'm going to 
contact you again and uh why don't you just tell everybody what they can do if they want to if they want to learn more um about your coaching and where they can go etc uh, so everything is at lessdoing.com, but you know there, we we created this really great little free mini course uh, that anybody can access that I, th- I think you'll all like, and it's uh, at less.do/foundations. So less.do/foundations. All right, thanks so much, Ari. I uh, really appreciate it, and it was it's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for having me, Noah. Hey, everybody. First, we just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It boosts our egos. And of course, your ears are the reason we do this. But it would be great if you could subscribe and leave a review as it'll help other people discover it. Talk to you soon.